Hello, and welcome to Soul Sisters Radio. I'm your host, Christine Coleman. On today's episode, I'm so excited to introduce Yolanda Muraset. She has been a longtime soul sister with us, and I cannot wait for her to share her story of strength, of overcoming challenges and trials, and how she serves today. We are in quarter four community service with Soul Sisters, and as you might know by now, we are all about learning more about how to serve others who are in need, who are under-resourced, and how we as sisters and women in the community can definitely learn different ways to give back effectively. I'm very much looking forward to how Yolanda can help us navigate that. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce everyone to Yolanda. Yolanda, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been a long time coming, but we're so happy to have you. Yes, the journey has been real. (laughs) I bet it has. I bet it has. So so I mentioned um, in the intro that we're focused on community service. And I think you know as well how Soul Sisters model works. And in the fourth quarter, if our listeners are not aware, um, we definitely try to focus our holistic health efforts in focusing on giving back. And what I wanted to chat with you, um, among many things, Yolanda, is for you to one, share with us your journey of all the things that you feel comfortable with, um, of the things that you've gone through in your personal life, and how Soul Sisters has played a part in that. And then I'd love to finish off with hearing more from you as someone who is a survivor, a thriver, um, someone who has just overcome so many challenges that so many women in our communities face, um, and how we as community members can effectively give back. So, um, I would love to start wherever you feel comfortable with, but first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're at now. Um, well, I'm a military brat, so as a child, I traveled around a lot, um, mm-hmm. and um, I was with my stepdad. He was kind of mean to me and my brother. We used to get beat a lot for for dumb things, and wow. that that affected me as a child, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize that until I got older, that mm-hmm. there were some mental health issues going on, sure. and that that escalated into to drug use and alcohol use. Hmm. And um, I started reading about it now that I'm older and that that usually happens in families that experience that, that the child will usually go out and um, do drugs. And then and, and a lot of incarceration I endured, a lot of abusive relationships, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And um, then I just... Um, started doing a lot of women's groups, trying to empower myself um, in and out through my addiction and and in and out of jail. And um, it wasn't until my mother died, actually around this time of year, 2012, a week before Thanksgiving, um, that I decided I met a guy out in the Tenderloin and we decided just to get clean together. And we just took off from there. And I, I just did so many empowering things. And one of them was meeting you lovely ladies when I lived in the tenderloin you you came out to the tenderloin and you picked you picked out women that were addicted to drugs that were on alcohol that never had ever been treated beautiful before and you you showed us um you were so empowering and you brought women in that you know teached us how to love ourselves and felt made us feel very pretty that day i still have my dress i'll never forget oh that's i've taken it up since then yeah Um, and then we met your lovely face all the women were just so kind and so inspiring all these women came from different walks of lives and they knew our stories and they didn't care there was no judging Mm -hmm. and so from there that's how I connected with you ladies I just never really really forgot that so Mm -hmm. since all of that has happened you know, my mother, she did pass and I got clean a year before she passed. Wow. I decided I'm not going to look back and I expunged my record. I volunteered here and there everywhere I could to inspire other women. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, um, I did um, women against rape and violence. I, mm-hmm. I volunteer every year for cancer in my mom's honor. Um, I've taken some classes at city college. I'm in city college. Now I'm in the drug and alcohol, um, class and I'm amazing. Yeah. Associate's degree in health education. I'm still with my guy. We've been together eight years and this is the same guy that, that you walked with this journey together to get clean. Yeah. We, our brothers actually like died like six months apart and we just, we held on really tight to each other. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
we just said, we're going to do the darn thing. And then we, we moved out of the Tenderloin and then we, we moved to Bayview. And now I live by San Francisco state. I got my license back. I got a car. Um, just, I'm getting married next year. All kind of amazing Incredible. stuff. Wow. Thank you. And it's women like you who, um, that's mm-hmm. where it started from. If mm-hmm. I, I was just so inspired by you ladies and I just had to be a part of soul sisters and every chance I get to volunteer to help out. That's yes, what I want to do. I tell so other, much. I tell other women about you ladies, you know, because you just, you do so much. I mean, you really do. Thank and you. Just, we we yeah. work hard, but it's, it's because we yeah. know that there's, that there's a greater need out there uh, for yes. all. Women. And yes, you are so just such a prime example of why the work that soul sisters, not just me, but all of us that yeah. and other women's organizations, why it's so yes. is powerful to help in individuals lives. Yes. Yes. And we need more women like soul sisters. Mm-hmm. They close a lot of programs in the tenderloin and, there's a lot of women out here that are hurting that. And so that's why I decided and I never, ever thought in my life that I would be doing this, but I, I now work at the jail and I, I teach groups in jail. I'm a rap facilitator now and I teach groups in jail and um, to the, to the, and the same pods that I used to be locked up in. <laughs> wow. and, Isn't um, that great? Crazy in a, in, a, in a great way, how much things come full circle. Yes. I talk to the deputies once a year about, um, I mean, actually every month, um, the chef department, I never thought that I would be speaking to them about how they can interact with um, homeless community and stuff like that in a, in a better manner, um, have more compassion when they're dealing with um, the homeless community and people who have mental instability. And I also, um, once a year, I talk to the men in the pods about domestic violence because I am a product of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that they should hear my story and they should hear about survivors. And um, yeah, just to talk to them about different ways that they, you know, that they need to love themselves and that we're not punching bags and stuff like that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff out in the community. As far I work in jail behavioral health services now, I never thought I'd be doing that. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And that is, I'm sure, just a quick snapshot of all the amazing details. Yeah, yeah. To the yeah. many years. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit, if, if you don't mind getting into this, what was yeah. going on in, in a peak period of your life where you felt like you were really struggling? Oh, a peak part of my life was where I really felt like my drug addiction was going to take over my life Mm. and I had no way out. And, um, I was just going through the four corners of the tenderloin. I left an abusive relationship in Oakland and I just had 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 enough. I left my clothes and everything behind. I didn't know anyone here in San Francisco. That was maybe back in 2003 and I was introduced to the mission area. And from there, someone introduced me to the tenderloin and it just got worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, drug addiction is, is some, it's, it's your worst nightmare. And I felt like I just knew deep down inside that I had to pull myself together several times. I, I, I really tried hard, Christine, mm-hmm. to get clean, to, to come back and be the authentic Yolanda that I knew that I could be. Um, many nights, I know my mom looked for me, you know, out there on the streets and it was just a really horrible life, you know, hooking up with different men who were very abusive to me. Mm-hmm. You couldn't trust anyone. It was a very lonely time. I uh, often thought about suicide. I, but I had a brother who had committed suicide and I just, I just couldn't go out like that because I am a, a Christian woman and mm-hmm. that's not the way to go. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to start doing a lot more writing. I love poetry. And actually, one of my poems on domestic violence got an award from the district attorney. Did and, it? I didn't yeah, I gave, yeah. Congratulations. And, thank you. It was a few years ago. And they had my art, my, my poems up on the, um, I do mental health stuff too. And they feature mm-hmm. my poetry. And my mother, she would really, really be proud. I wish yes. that I could. I know it. Yeah. I, um, I, the last time I think I was in jail, I had just had enough and I had fibroids and they gave me an operation in jail and I got back out. Wow. 
I was um, accepted to Walden House. I didn't go. I went back out on a run. And it was just each time, mind you, it's more worse than the last. Mm -hmm. And And tell us what Walden House is. Walden House is a program that um, um, helps people who have um, addiction problems. They help you get back in, you know, on your feet and they have jobs and opportunities for you to do. You do the program, however long the judge wants you to do that. And the goal is that when you get out, you can, you pretty much have your life back and they can help you with housing and, um, you know, set you up with case managers and things of this nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, um, I actually got clean on my own. I really had just had enough. Yeah. Me and my fiance, we talked about it and it was actually his idea. He was like, mm-hmm. we, we got to try to do something different. Yeah. I, had been in a, a lot of abusive relationships, like I said, and I met him out here and um, we were using together big time. And um, mm-hmm. he just, he just said, you know what? I didn't know at the time that my mother was dying of liver cancer. So God delivered me, you know, I was mm-hmm. hanging out on the streets and just doing all kind of crazy stuff. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and stay in the shelter. And I, before, prior to that, I used to stay in the shelters and fight, drink and act a fool. Mm-hmm. But I, this time, I don't know, God was on my side and I stayed a year. They thought I had a twin sister because I was doing so well. <laughs> I, I left from person. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't amazing. know, I just had the will to get my life back, Christine. Yeah. So from there, they put me in an SRO, which is a single room occupancy. It's just a, a room like a as, as, as a jail cell with the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really scary being on your own, you know, because uh, you have time to, to do whatever you want. But right. That's where the real test comes in. I'm sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't look back. The key was to stay busy. I always stayed busy mm-hmm. and I just said, I'm not going to look back. We next year will be nine years clean for me. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That is a huge deal. And in about another year, I'll be a drug and alcohol counselor. Wow, amazing. I have my associate's degree in um, health education, and then we'll move on to maybe the bachelor's. And, yeah. you know, I never thought that that, that day would ever come either. Mm. Yeah. I have a peace of mind. I'm really happy now, and I really yeah. love helping others. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you have such a heart for it. And Thank that's you. one of the things that I think about constantly with folks who are in recovery, um, which I, I am not, so I cannot speak from a personal point. Yeah. But yeah. If it's okay with you, I'd love to hear more about what your recommendations are for those of us who are not, who have not been in recovery, who have not been addicted to anything, um, but have a sincere desire to help. What are some things that you think the community members like myself, like other people and soul sisters and whatnot, our listeners, you know, when they hear, when we hear stories like yours, we say, we want to help her. We want to help the women who are transitioning out of domestic violence, who are transitioning out of homelessness or any form of addiction. What are, what are some really practical ways we can help? Um, I believe like take it. I, I'm a firm believer of taking it to the streets if people aren't scared to go out there because Mm. this is where the the community is this is where the people are Mm. to just just you know just to come out and give out a pair of socks or just to smile and give Mm. a hug or um, offer some kind of support for these people out there Mm. and let them know that someone does care you know, because that's where it starts. It starts in the streets. You know, we've got a lot of people out here that are homeless and there's a lot of people out here that really do want to get help and they want to change and they don't know how, and they just, you know, I was my idea. If I ever came into some money, I was going to just open up some houses for, for women who have been abused and they could come anytime of night. I would get a Uber to come and get you. Mm. And um, that's just like one of my dreams, you know, that mm. I would want to do that. But I, um, I go out to the streets and I support people out there. Um, it can be dangerous. It can be scary. So you yeah. have to know your boundaries too. Right. Maybe but, in the daytime or in a small yeah, group or something. Precisely. Things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Holding events or something like that. Holding events where it makes sandwiches. Just little, you know, they don't want much. Some One girl, she likes toothbrushes. So every time I see her, I, ha- I have a toothbrush oh. <laughs> for her. Uh-huh. You know, just little uh-huh. things like that. Yeah. Um, 
I know a lot of people in the community and I give them hope. You know, that's mm -hmm. what they, they need. They need they need hope and understanding. It's not for everyone. Everyone's not ready. Right. So we always try to meet them exactly where they are, you know. Mm -hmm. What about what about people who are skeptics who think that people on the street are just leaning on drugs, don't want help, uh, are lazy, any of those assumptions, what would you have to say to folks who are skeptical about people on the street? Oh, my God. I wish that they could see my picture when I was last in jail. I usually bring my picture when I was last in jail. I keep it as a souvenir because I remember mm -hmm. how she, I remember her so well. And I, I show it to people and I, I talk to them first so that they can see how I am. And I'm a pretty much of a diva now. People know me. And um, <laughs> if I, I love it so, personally. <laughs> I, you know, I, I talk to them and then I, be, I you know, when I do my um, sheriff group, I always pass the picture of that around as well as one that is a photographer takes pictures of people out there in their addiction. He used to take a lot of pictures of me. I, I swear I wish I could remember his name. He's like an old OG hippie kind of guy. He's really cool. And um, mm -hmm. I, keep, I keep those pictures and I tell people you cannot judge a book by its cover. Yes, yeah. looks, can be, looks can be deceiving, but anyone can change. I am proof of that. These people mm -hmm. have families. These people have lives. These people, it makes me want to cry. People out here love these people. And um, yeah. everyone has someone that they love and that they know. And I'm sure that in every third family that there's someone that has an alcoholic or a drug addict or someone with some kind of issue in their family or further down the line. Mm -hmm. These people... A lot of these people are homeless, not by choice. It's just so darn expensive out here. Yeah. Uh, things happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I came from a decent family, middle class. My parents are Masons. My, my mm -hmm. dad's best friend is a, a pilot for American Airlines. I've known um, in my African-American community, we have friends of all races. Mm -hmm. I, I got to travel around a lot of places as a child. I've been to Germany um, Italy, Berlin, Hawaii, I've been all mm. over the place. Mm -hmm. I had a decent childhood. My dad was just mean as heck. Yeah. And, um, he raised our family like a boot camp. And mm -hmm. I, you know, start hanging out with the wrong crowd as to escape. I Mind you, I was married to a military man. We were married for 10 years. Oh, produced wow. two. So um, it's, it's stuff just happened. I just started hanging around the wrong crowd. Everyone has a different story, but that's right. my story. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of my friends um, change. I don't judge anyone. I still go out there and I have friends that are pushing carts or smoking their dope and they'll stop and look up and say, you know, I love you, girl. Look at you. I love you. I have a lot of people mm -hmm. that come shake my hand and hug me mm -hmm. um, because I came up out of the storm mm -hmm. and, um, I have lost a lot of friends in addiction. I just lost um, some of my clients I lost because of the drug addiction. They got clean, then they went back out. It, it was just it because there's new uh -huh. stuff out there. Fentanyl is killing. There's new, another new opiate out there that's killing. Yes. And um, we just lost another girl, me and my guy. I actually really knew her very well. And she, she's gone now. And uh -huh. I, I try to really tell them about the reality of the drugs out here that, you know, eventually you, you should stop or downsize harm reduction or something. Right, right. And that's what I did. I, I was doing heavy drugs and, and then um, mm. I don't know if I should talk about all that, but. Yeah, whatever you want to share. We're, you know, we're well, I was smoking crack and drinking and then someone introduced me to meth and I never shot up. And well, it's just a whole nother ball game with that meth. Yeah. And, um, then after that, I just stopped drinking heavy alcohol, and then I started drinking beer, and then I had to get on psych meds because I couldn't figure out what to do with everything that was going on with me. Mm -hmm. Getting clean is like another struggle. It takes. It took me a good three years just to get it all together, you know, because mm -hmm. dealing with life and reality for yes. some people is just really hard. We'd rather right. just go fly up in a cloud and escape sure. we're escaping from something yes i can I, was a, I, I i'm not in those shoes but i yeah. can only imagine 
how stressful life can be with someone yes. who has access to resources and family and support. Yes. And when you take out those factors, it, it, can, it just sounds so challenging. And when you have something that can provide a, at least a temporary escape, I'm sure yeah. that's an easy thing to go back to. Some of these people have been molested as children right. and so um, by family members. And mm-hmm. so this has affected them in a horrible way. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them have been abused so bad and they're just really hurt. And some of them have had family tell me you're never going to amount to anything. And yeah. each one has a different story. And so I, I downsized. And then finally I just had enough. I just had enough, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, I don't know if everyone is strong as me. So that's why I, 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 I got put into my guy was work, working there, excuse me first. And then he left to get a full-time job. And, um, I started taking classes and everything through Rams and stuff. They have free classes for mm-hmm. peer mentors. You, hey, mm-hmm. if, you, if you were an ex-addict and uh, you have lived in experience, or if you don't, we're going to teach you the skills so that you can go back out and help. Then a job came up through 360 Health, right, for Joe uh, Behavioral Health Service as a peer mentor, and that's mm-hmm. what I am. I am a peer mentor, and I support and help and stand by my people in court in jail behavioral health court and the judge calls my name the da knows me and these are you know uh i remember a time when they used to call my name in another way because i was dressed in orange coming out the back door Mm. shackled up Mm -hmm. now i'm going back in jail teaching these classes helping other women and men and yes they suffer from mental illness some Mm -hmm. of them run off some of them um it's just all kind of issues but i i some of them curse me out, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, but for the most part, I know that what I'm doing is an amazing thing, and God put me in that position yeah. to, to to help other other people. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer in that. That sometimes, and maybe you can attest to this, but at least in my life, and it sounds like in yours too, that sometimes we don't really understand why we're put in different situations, why we experience yes. different challenges. And they suck. No lie. There's some things I wish I would have never had to go through. And yes. Know yes. that you would not have to go through those things. But because yeah. you did, because we do go through things sometimes, I think we have a choice to decide what we're going to do with them once we decide to turn that corner and make a change for ourselves. And it sounds like yes. you're doing that to the max of not just getting clean, not just saying I want a better life for myself, but actually giving back. What, mm-hmm. to me, that is, you are the greatest inspiration ever, Yolanda. So are you. Thank you. And I, I want to ask you, at what point do you think you can recall making that decision to say, you know what, I'm getting clean, I'm in a good place in my life, but now I want to take the step to give back. Um, that's a very good question because I didn't know if I actually was ready to mm-hmm. have a lot of people in my life that I was willing to help, mm-hmm. you know, because I was suffering from anxiety and um, mm-hmm. depression myself. Yeah. And so I mm-hmm. was like, what can I do? What can I, I what can I, and um, my fiance he sent me a link one day and he said, you know what? You'd be really great at this. There is some classes for peer mentors and they're going to pay you at San Francisco state through Rams. And Mm -hmm. I said, you're kidding me. And so a year prior to that, I had uh, worked with Rams at gender health, which I just love because Mm -hmm. I, I have all the trans women and that they're so Mm -hmm. powerful. Yes. they And, um, I just love them dearly. And, um, I said, oh, my gosh, I haven't been to school in a long time. I don't think I can do this. You know, mm. so it's going to be rough. I'm going to be 54 years old in March. And wow. I was like, it's never too late, though. So then I went in there and I took the classes and I ended up leaving Ginger Health, Health midway through my internship to go to school. I thrived on that and finished that successfully. And then the advanced class needed you to have a job. So mm-hmm. two weeks into um, me going to the advanced class, I ended up getting hired. And my teacher was like, you think you can do this? And I went ahead and finished the, the um, advanced class with RAMS, which is a great organization too. Yeah. They really, they specialize in people who have been incarcerated and they don't care how old you are. They don't care if you've been in jail they help you get back into the work field. And that's what they did for me. 
And so they're an amazing, amazing organization. And so prior, then after that, I went on and I, I, I've been working over at um, Joe Behavioral Health Services. Are they the January. ones that were able to provide you with that job? Well, because I went it? Well, yeah, they, they, the Dillas lived in experience. Yeah. And so, because the judge, he doesn't know anything about what it really feels like to, to get higher, how that feels or how incarceration feels. Mm -hmm. So we do the field work and we coordinate with the case managers, um, the DA, and um, we do the footwork. We take them to their appointments. We escort them to the mm -hmm. doctor. We help them get their ID back. We help them. Um, we're trying to figure out something with housing, but when they get out of jail, we do offer them a hotel for two weeks. And uh, this is with jail reentry. And yeah. we just, we go to the programs and there's so many out here, um, Baker Place and Walden House and yeah. 360 Health, right? We go see them at their detox. I go inside the jail and I see them and give them support in jail. And when they get out, I stay by their side and, and we, we assist them in whatever we can assist them with. But we work and we coordinate with the case manager. And yeah. we just, yeah, we just, we just want to be a, a serious support system. And um, all of our team, um, we have one veteran and he graduated from BHC. We have another younger guy. He graduated from BHC. So he brings that young flair. We have the veteran. Then we have me, and um, we're getting ready to have another woman on our team. And wow. so, yeah, we just we do all that we can to support these. I'm a wrap facilitator, so which is Wellness uh, Recovery Action Plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big deal to be able to go and to teach groups. And I never thought I would be teaching any groups in jail. Wow. Yeah. You are and such a powerhouse. That is so incredible. Thank you. <laughs> I have so many questions for you. And I, okay. um, but you know, I'm just, I want to reflect to make sure that um, I would love to provide, you've listed some really good resources that I would love to provide on our description of the podcast when I publish it. Um, okay. You mentioned Rams. You mentioned, can you say the 360 again? What is that called? Three um, health right three sixty health right three sixty. Yes. Um, you mentioned Walden House and um, the program that is through Rams at SF State, and I just I want to list those because and if you have any more, maybe you can provide them to me, Alanda. Because oh yeah, the Women's Reentry Center as well. Yeah, Reentry Center. Um, yeah. Because I can imagine that some of our listeners might be looking for some help for family members, loved ones. Mm -hmm, at, mm -hmm. They don't, you know, they don't know how to help. And I asked the question earlier, how do we as community members help? My question to you, based off the things that you listed, was what about this? Let's let's take it real current. What about this holiday season where loved ones of people who are on the street or experiencing some form of challenge, um, particularly women, you know, we, we talked about things like domestic violence, you know, we talked about yeah. like drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, homelessness, and and people who really love them, who want them back in a clean state, but just are, who knows, exhausted, frustrated, all yeah. the other, yeah. with, with the people who are, who are experiencing these challenges. What, first, before we list off resources, which we can get to in a moment, but I want to hear from you. Do you have any tips, words of advice, words of love and wisdom to the people who have been affected by those who are experiencing the addiction or any form of these challenges are just so hard to get out of? Yeah, that's a very good question because my, 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 my mother and well, my, my dad, we don't even talk anymore because even though I've, I'm eight years in clean, I, I um, didn't realize that I affected them just terribly. Mm. And so the trust, you know, it's, it's hard to gain trust back and stuff because I've always, Oh, I got clean. And then I went back out and, yeah. you know, it was really hard on them. And yeah. I, I have to, I had to understand that I played a big part in that, you know, mm. um, I had to forgive myself as well. Right. So I've tried to reach out to him and to no avail. So we'll see what happens. Mm. But, um, it, it can be really hard. It can be really hard. Some, some, some people, some family members just give up and they, and yeah. unfortunately they, they cut their, they cut them off. 
thing. Mm-hmm. My mom never gave up on me. She never gave up. She, wow. As a matter of fact, there was a few times that she came looking for me. I was actually smart enough to, I, I would meet people that I felt I could trust, and I'll never forget it. I gave out a number and told them, if something happens to me, call my mom. And wow. I got beat. I got beat up one day, and I was really beat up, really bad, Christy. Wow. Wow. He has, he um, he actually knocked my tooth out of my mouth, and he split my lip. And my was this a, a partner that you had, as someone you were you were with, or a it was, yeah, I had been with him for three years. Oh, yeah, gosh. and that's actually I wanted the award for that because I I talked about how it started with verbal abuse, and mm-hmm. then it went into slaps, and then kicks and punches. Wow. To finally, I just said, "I'm done. I've had enough." I didn't look mm-hmm. back, and I left. But my mother would get really close to looking for me, and I could just imagine the burden that it put on her and my father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got he got tired. You know, and yeah, he came to jail to see me one last time. He said, "I'm gonna put some money in your books, but I'm I'm done. I'm not. I just can't do this anymore." But my mother never gave up. She mm-hmm. wanted me to be in a good relationship, which I am in. She mm-hmm. wanted me to um, just get my life back, and I did that. And um, she wanted me to stop coming to jail, and I, my record is expunged now. But it's really, really hard because some family members, one family member may not want to give up, and the other one's like, I'm done. And then yeah. that family member will sneak behind the other family members back to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard because as, as addicts, we're so conniving. We're so charming. Right. We're just... Um, I really think deep down inside that we have good hearts. I know that I did, but um, the drugs were taking over. And so um, there's a part of me right now that I have family members that are using and I cannot bring them to my house because that's a boundary for me. It's not that I don't care. It's just because I've worked really hard for my recovery. And I just, I have to love you from a distance. And sometimes you have to do that as well. Right. Unless you're you're willing to, I wish that my mom and dad would have got me help when I was younger and uh, faced the mental health aspect of it because that's where the drugs came into it. They never addressed any of that. And I needed help. And Mm. they either they didn't know or they ignored it. I really don't know. I can't go back and ask my mom why did I needed help. There's so many things that happened, like um, yeah, personal stuff happened. Like I Mm -hmm. I got pregnant at eighteen and they made me abort the baby and my dad wouldn't let my mom come support me and hold my hand and I cried and asked her on her deathbed, Why did why did I needed you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she got had me when she was younger, so it made sense that you would she would understand, yes. you know, but she didn't. But I, mm-hmm. I would just say, I would try my best. And and mind you, um, addiction places are very expensive. Yes. So, the um, you know, I don't know if people had the kind of money to just try to um, get, you know, get their family members into a program if they really, really. Um, do care and love them but then what about the people who don't have the finances yeah. for all of that so that right. can get really really tricky yeah and you know insurance just doesn't pay for that like they should mm, that's so a good point too yeah it's really hard because where i'm at right now these people are cut they signed up for behavioral health court and if they get caught not going to groups or not meeting their case managers and stuff like that and they fall off the wagon. And it's really hard for them as addicts to make appointments and to see their case manager and come see me. And some of them just fall off. And then when they catch them, they send them right back to jail. That's not the answer either. Right. So what is the answer? What what is the answer when you think about what, what would be more effective in helping people get off the street Obviously, it's a. I know it's complicated. But what yes. what is the answer? Because it is true across the board that a lot of times people are thrown in jail, prison, um, mm-hmm. on the street, don't have anywhere to go. Like you said, the resources are very limited, and in, in I'm sure cities all over the country. Yes. What What would you suggest as an answer to some of these these problems that we're facing? I really feel like they should open up more shelters. 
to get mm-hmm. people off the street. We don't, they're close, you know, we need more shelters. Yeah. We, we, we need more programs. Right, that shelters are with resources in them so they're not just sleeping and going back, right? And we need more, more shel- um, programs catered to the transgender community. Mm-hmm. And we do have a few. And um, right. I think Hummingbird and stuff like that. And then there's Gender Health over at the hospital, San Francisco General, but we need more. They've closed down a lot of stuff. We had one sage, which I graduated from, and that's um, focusing on sex trafficking because San Francisco, uh, believe it or not, is the major zone for sex trafficking. You would think Miami and other places, but it's it's San Francisco. um, Just more programs and stuff um, that would ease the the pocketbook um, where you can just come in without having to have all this money and stuff. You know, um, they kick you out really early at some of these shelters. You can come in. Some of them, there's MSC South and there's mm-hmm. Next Door and then there's the Sanctuary and there's a few others. Wow. But um, that's why I wish that I had more money because I would just open up some houses mm-hmm. and I would I would start helping these people. Um, actually, to be honest with you, some people don't want to get off the streets. I have a client yeah. now. She lives under the bridge and she's happy. She does not want to go anywhere else. What is, what is her reasoning or what is some folks reasoning that you've heard? Um, well, some, uh, well, the transgender community, they, they want to be with the women and sometimes they put them with the men and um, then there's um, sexual assaults and stuff like that going on. Uh, these people are not trusting of other people because they've been, um, just treated so bad that they just don't know who they can trust anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, they, they don't want to live by the rules and stuff either. There's a lot of rules and some people just want to live freely to do what they want to do. They don't want, they don't want to be able to, I got to be in at seven o'clock. I got to check in and Mm. um, they want to live by their own rules. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, other reasons, a lot of, a a lot of women I've talked to, they're, they're scared. They've been sexually abused and um, things of that nature. Yeah. And when you say that they've been abused or been mistreated, are these in shelters or spaces that are supposed to be safe? Yes, some of them actually are spaces wow. that are supposed to be safe, and then they they get treated pretty bad wow. and unfairly. And um, some a lot of people say that they're willing to help, they want to help, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty, you know, they they don't they don't want to help. You know, they're they see a person that hasn't had a shower or, or uh, things of that nature. They don't want to shake their hand. They don't want to hug them. They don't want to touch them. Things of that nature. They don't want to get too close to them, you know. Yeah. So you have to really, really, really want to help and want to be in this job because most of the people you're going to come across haven't had a shower, haven't brushed their teeth. Yeah. Um, um, you know, just different issues going on. These are homeless. Com- this is the homeless community. You know, people are getting kicked out of their SROs. People are being moved, shoveled out of the yeah. community. Um, a lot of other things are taking over, and um, they need more. They need more affordable housing. Yes, all of it. So it's a lot of stuff that's going on. Right. Um, that we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. But you know what? These conversations are so important because I'll admit I feel clueless and hopeless so many times. Yeah. Um, I. I, I feel naive to a lot of things, ignorant yeah. to a lot of things, and I just think I can make up, we as a community can make up all kinds of assumptions and stories about people that we just don't know, and you are bringing light yeah. and knowledge and truth to these people's stories, especially your own, yeah. uh, and it's just important for us to know better so that we can do better. Yeah, a lot of my women are veterans. They have fought in the war. Wow. But they have ha- they uh, got caught up in drugs. Yeah, and these are I admire these women because they have I have one. She's been she was in the army and um, she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know I have some of the best conversations with my with the homeless community. Some of them are so absolutely just so mm. delightful and so um, intelligent. They teach me something every time I 
I see yeah. them. And a lot yeah. of them are angry. Yes. I, I've, I've gotten cursed out by a few women who I used to know out there because I came out of this storm and they're still in there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just my time to come out. But I'm yeah. coming back. I'm not being selfish with my recovery. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back and I'm trying to help any, any way I can. Mm-hmm. But I also practice self-care and stuff too, because this is a job that can really burn you out. Yes, it sounds like. And you mentioned a really good word too, uh, boundaries earlier. Boundaries in your recovery and the journey that you're on, but also boundaries with the giving back too. Yes. It's so important to set for yourself because it's, I'm sure there's a part of you and maybe a lot of folks uh, who are uh, on, a, on a positive journey who feel indebted to to serve and give back to those who are in their in similar shoes but you also deserve the right (laughs) to to live your life and live in that joy and set good boundaries with people too that's i think that's that's a really um powerful learning tool i think for a lot of folks in any situation is when we when we we talked about earlier when we see the light, if you will, and you, you yes. make a change and you say, okay, I made a change for myself. Now I want to give back. Giving back also doesn't mean to exhaust yourself or like you said, burn out because you yeah. feel like you have to, right? You deserve right. the joy and the peace to move forward as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So we have just a couple more minutes left and I'm really just, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation, Linda. You're oh, me too. Such a bright light. I'm learning so much from you today. And I did just want to ask you a couple of more questions. So you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned so many great, great gems of, of how to help, of how to be mindful. We are coming into, as I mentioned, the holiday season where I know a lot mm-hmm. of people want to give practically, they want to be present, they want to serve food, they want to do these things. But then we go back to, you know, folks in privileged situations, uh, go back to our our lives and get to live just as things were while there's still, like you said, so much more work to do. So when we get out of kind of this, I don't, I don't want to say high horse, but sometimes when we give back, it's a good feeling, which is great. But I'm learning, especially working in this in the field of giving and as a mental health therapist, that giving is is great, but it's not about you, right? It, giving and and like you said, handing out food or giving socks or just saying a hello is is not about you. And even if you yeah. do cussed out or do don't get a thank you back, it's not about you. It's about being selfless. And those are again just things mm-hmm. I'm learning every day through through this this really difficult yet rewarding work. However, what I what I really have a question for you is about what next? You know, we have seasons and times of years where people feel incredibly giving because it's a season of giving and we get all excited and say, look at me, I'm giving a present or, you know, I went to go serve food. I'm such a good yeah. person. And then it's January and we get obsessed with weight loss and whatever else we have to do for the year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do we keep up that momentum? What are things that you think that we can do ongoing to continue to have a heart for people, especially women in need? I, I, I would think that just don't stop giving around the holidays, you know, give every three months and be consistent, come back out, check on people, um, mm. get it, get involved more. Just don't do it once a year. I mean, for some people once a year, if that works for you, but, um, this is not going to go away. It's, it's going to be here. And if we would, um, when you come in numbers, it's just so much more powerful right. to come out, you know, to come and to get involved in some of the churches. Glide is a great organization. Yeah, and um, they have so many resources. St. Anthony's, mm-hmm. you know, start coming to these, some of these churches and um, ask, how can I help? How can I give back? Right. Um, and and just you know just continue to do that you know because we have to keep going we can't just stop you know we just have to keep going somehow absolutely and and so i I, you know my job never stops it never Mm -hmm. ends Mm -hmm. because i'm always um figuring out a way that i can go help i remember you guys gave me some beautiful clothes and i still have some of them so i'm going to clean my closet out Mm. I'm going to give some things back. 
I like giving nice notes. I like just calling people and telling them how important they are, how special they are. Yeah. Giving my women Good hope. Advice. Take women to the movies. You know, they haven't been to the movies, so we go have move, go to the movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, it would be just nice to get a, another community garden going on out here. Just it doesn't mm -hmm. take a lot, you know. Just, just You're right to um, make a sandwich put it in a bag and put a beautiful note in it um ywam um youth mission uh, um they they come out and they do things they give out hot chocolate and socks and stuff in the community mm -hmm. glide helps a lot mm -hmm. um i would just you know if it's really donate you know yeah. donations you yeah. don't tell them to break the bank with it but if people right. have the means to do something right and it doesn't have to be a lot right skip it doesn't and give five dollars to an organization yeah or, precisely just yeah. every little bit will help absolutely yeah. that's really great i'm really glad that you broke it down to even the most practical things because i wonder if sometimes volunteering uh signing up somewhere um donating it can feel overwhelming to to everyday yeah, folks yeah but yeah. you know if we if you know someone in your personal life that you're connected to in directly or indirectly if you can you know like you said just get an, a nice sweater and just put it in a bag and leave it for someone yeah, or you yeah. know you um, people you do know personally making those connections because sisterhood is important and to be able to have different actions like you said take them to the movies say i'm gonna i'm gonna cover your your cup your coffee or let's go to lunch yeah. I, I really just want to know you more um those are just the most powerful things when people feel seen and heard mm -hmm. and that is you know I, I can think of so many times when people, we've been talking a lot about folks on the street and this, this, uh, for our time together, but, um, because, and because we've been focused on that, I think often of how I have often just passed by people and not even given them a glance. And in more recent years, I've been more mindful to just, you know, maybe I can't give them all money, but I can give them a look in the eye and a smile to make, yeah. let them know that they're a human being that I recognize and that I see and I value. And I just think those are, those are little things to big things that we can all be doing. Um, for our listeners, Yolanda, you listed off um, many, and I'm sure you might have more resources. So we'll oh, yeah, there's Sidewalk Talks, too. Sidewalk Talks is a great organization because mm -hmm. you just triggered me to say something. Sure. So, sometimes just listening to someone, yeah. giving them just, you don't have to give them like 15, 20 minutes, but just to acknowledge them and just to listen. Yeah. But, you know, but be yeah. safe about it. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. So maybe that is a good point to, to, you know, go under an organization that has the tools and the training to let you know, um, safer, more effective ways to be on, on the street. Maybe you should yes. by yourself or do things that you're not familiar with. Yes. But, but the everyday things that we can do to just help especially we're talking about women with connected to soul sisters and just Yolanda, we're, we're working hard to just make our, our outreach more effective for women in need to make sure that we're reaching out to those that don't just have access to social media to learn about our events. Like we really want to yes. be too. So we are going to wrap up here. That's how I met you ladies. Look at me now. Look at you now. <laughs> we're so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm honored oh, to know you. you. I thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Just really being authentic and real. I, I know that, you know, parts of our stories are not always the rosiest and the no. things we're not so proud of, but that's part of who we are. That's who you are. And you've come out of that such a golden, amazing person. And I just admire you so much. And I just love Soul Sisters so Thank much. You. We love you right back. Thank you so much. And just to finish off, we always like to finish off our episodes with some lighthearted, fun things, little questions to ask you. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions if you could just think of the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Uh, okay, okay. All right. Your favorite song. Oh, wow. That's a hard question, is it? <laughs> oh. I if you want to narrow it down to this year, you can. But if you have a favorite song of all time, one that gets you in a good mood. I like Happy. Pharrell? Like Pharrell. Yes, yeah, like, yeah, that's such a good song. Absolutely. It's very happy. You get up and shake it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a good one. Uh, what is your favorite holiday if you have one? Um, I love the fall. I, although Me I lost my mother too. in the fall, I, mm. I, I like all, all of the, uh, but I like autumn. There's something about the leaves and yeah. the, the smell of 
apple cider. And, I'm right there with you. I um, love it. Eggnog and all that good stuff. Yes. Fat, new stuff. <laughs> right. Bring on all the calories. <laughs> we welcome them. And uh, last question for you. If you could travel anywhere tomorrow, where would you go? I would go to Africa. Really? Any reason yes. behind that? I just want to go out there and I want to dance in the heads. I want to see the lions mm. and the giraffes. I I want them to speak Swahili and call my name and, oh, and wow. um, tell me welcome home. And I, mm-hmm. I want them to, I want to get my hair braided in one of the heads. And wow. I just want to, I want to hear them chanting and I want to dance with them. Wow. That would be an amazing, transformative trip, yeah, I'm sure. I would, yeah, very powerful. Yes, you. absolutely. Well, thank you time and time again, Yolanda, for all that you've provided us today. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to Soul Sisters Radio. Be sure to catch us at soulsisters.org, uh, which is our website. Please sign up for our newsletter to keep up with all that's going on with Soul Sisters. You can also find us on social media. Facebook Soul Sister, sorry, Facebook is facebook.com slash Sisters Inc. Our Instagram handle is at Soul Sisters Org. We also have a new mother's page for uh, on Instagram that is at Soul Sis Mamas. We thank you so much for listening and we wish you a wonderful day.